I'm K.S. Garner, and you're listening to the Solo Nerdbird Podcast. Today, I'll be speaking with the creator and writer of the comic book Magic Powder, issue one, currently on Kickstarter, Jeff Schiller. Welcome, Jeff. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, but outside of my introduction, who is Jeff Schiller, and what are you about? Uh, I am a writer and a photographer based out of Las Vegas. I've been out here most of my life, but originally I'm from New Jersey. So I bounce back and forth a little bit, but yeah, most have been here and, uh, you know, just been trying to get things done. I, be, I try to write screenplays a lot of the times and want to make movies and TV shows my whole life, you know, comic books. I've been interested in comic books since I was a little kid. My brother used to be a really great artist and, uh, you know, I always thought we would kind of make something, but he kind of, you know, lost that interest. So we never did. And I never really found an artist to hook up with until, you know, I got on Reddit and I met a guy named Danielle Aguilani and here we are, you know. Well, on Reddit, mostly people hook up with, uh, I guess, collaborators or other artists like um, Fiverr or um, maybe Instagram or Twitter. But I think that was the first time I ever heard someone say Reddit is somewhere where they found somebody. Yeah, I got lucky. Um, there's a, a Reddit or subreddit, I guess they call them, uh, called Comic Collabs or Comic Book Collabs. I forget exactly what it is. And I posted on there just looking for artists. And um, he actually had just finished working with another writer and posted that he was looking for commissions or whatever. So I hit him up and the other artists that all hit me up and he was kind of the highest priced one, but his art was just the one that fit what I was looking for the best. So I had to go with him and he's actually been even better than I expected. So it's been worth it and everything. I just hope that I can uh, keep working with him, you know, at least keep for the first like initial arc of the series anyway. So it's consistent and stuff like that. Oh, well, that's great. Um, what is Magic Powder issue one about? Um, it's setting up a little idea I had where it's basically like it's a it's a city called Thez basically where there's no laws or anything like that and magic powder is actually fairy dust because there's like fairies in this world mm -hmm. and um, you know people use it to get high on basically it's a drug and so it's basically a drug war it's all gonna go down to and that kind of thing and uh, basically there's an elf that lives outside of the city and he wants to get in on the action and that's kind of where the whole war starts taking place is when he starts basically you know, causing problems for all the uh, clans that are already doing their thing or the cartels or whatever you want to call them. So yeah, I, I don't know. I kind of got the idea of watching the show Gamora, which is a basically based on uh, the Italian mafia and, uh, you know, what they do in Italy and all the drug dealing and stuff. So that kind of what inspired it. And then I had just a bunch of other ideas I just kind of threw together. The fairy dust was used by the elves to basically conquer the world like thousands of years ago because they realized it would give them powers and stuff so they used it to you know basically put all the other monster or whatever you call them I guess races or you know I don't know exactly what you call goblins and elves and stuff but so yeah they they took like the giants there's like an island somewhere where giants got put because they couldn't actually defeat the giants and the giants didn't want to fight them so they're gone dragons also they couldn't defeat so dragons are on their own little part of the world and then everybody else kind of fell in line with the elves because of the powers they had and they just outnumbered them and outpowered them and eventually you know they built the cities around that kind of stuff and then you know there's still a bunch of dwarfs and elves and goblins and everything they all work with uh, each other outside of Thez but in Thez it's more of like there's an agreement upon where like you know some guys didn't want to get in on it. you know they still they didn't agree with what was going on and it just kind of fell into that city like they all got pushed there that's where instead of their own island like the giants or the dragons like everybody else just went to Thez which is kind of on the shore and stuff like that so they could be pushed out even further eventually I guess would be the plan I don't know but you know you know how governments are but yeah, yeah. um do you play D&D &D? do you know Dungeons Dragons 
I don't personally play it, but I have watched, you know, certain like YouTube channels and stuff. My sister is into watching those. We've mm -hmm. never ever played our own. Uh, I used to play a game called Hero Quest growing up, uh -huh. and it was kind of like a board game that was a ripoff of D and D. So I have a similar experience, but not exactly D and D now. And I love the episodes of like Community about it and stuff like that. But I, I bring it up because um, in D and D, the goblins and the orcs, maybe some dwarves and uh, like they have the drow which is the dark elves they're more like the undesirables in typically in like in most D, &D games some people are moving away from that whereas some people want to keep it i guess it's tradition part of the game but um yeah it just reminded me of of that a lot so i'm really big into fantasy and then like this is kind of like the perfect game for me that I would want to be a part of because I don't want to be a hero anymore. I kind of want to be a smuggler. I kind of want to be the bad guy in a way. So yeah, and that's the thing. And like in Dungeons Dragons, while I have never played it, is definitely an inspiration. I mean, there is probably a video game on Sega that was actually a Dungeons Dragons game that I played, but actual the actual RPG I've never played. But Shadowrun is another game that I've never played the RPG of, but I played the video games of, and I love that setting and that world. It's more cyberpunk than my world. But yeah, I like the dark settings and the anti-heroes and a lot of TV shows and comics and things like that. So I thought that would fit with this because it's like fantasy worlds seem more, I don't know, happy, I guess, or like more fantastical, I guess, is the point of them. So it's like, you know, a, a utopia kind of thing. So I wanted to go the other way with that and see what, what would happen if it just was like a slum of a fantasy world. And so everybody's dealing with like the problems that almost people in our world are dealing with, you know, poverty or things like that, or just, you know, just not fitting in and things. So. I don't know. I think, um, you know, the, the fantasy elements are huge, though, because like, you know, I didn't want to just write a gangster story with people dressed as fantasy characters. Like uh, there's going to be parts where like, you know, old like dwarven lore of other things are going to play into what what's going on here and stuff like that. I don't know. It's just it's hard to really like explain it all, like what inspired it all, because there's so many things like, you know, video games, video, RPGs, everything. I just love it all. So, yeah, you know, Elder Scrolls, you could say, too, which is probably inspired by Dungeons and Dragons as well. Like all that kind of stuff fall out with you know I don't know I just oof, it's un, it's it's unbelievable how many things like I'm trying to like mission because like I played um a game called Hades last year yeah and it was amazing you know I had a good time and uh one of the things when I was coming up with this idea like I kept fighting that Minotaur in that game and so I was like oh maybe I should put a Minotaur in this world so like uh the second issue is kind of based around like a Minotaur hitman <laughs> and so if anyone wants to see that you know keep your eyes peeled but yeah so I don't know I'm just inspired by so many different things. Yeah, that sounds interesting. A Minotaur Hitman. I might have to might have to suggest something like that to my GM, a Minotaur Hitman. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, he's gonna be pretty crazy. Like, I don't know. He's gotta be gonna be based on um, I don't know if you ever seen the movie The Professional. Yeah. He's gonna kind of have like that kind of thing. Like he's more of an outsider kind of he don't have many friends or anything like that, but they call him in, you know, and there hasn't been war in a long time. So he's an old man kind of too. Mm -hmm. so. But yeah, Minotaur with a minigun, basically. That's what you're gonna see. Oh, that's cool. Um, you already spoke about um, finding collaborators for this project. Can you maybe elaborate more on it? I guess from um, the, I guess, elaborate more on, so you have the idea and now you need people to work with in order to bring it together. So how was that process in not only finding the collaborators, but um, telling them what it is you were looking for and I guess trying to explain to them, because it can be funny sometimes, it can be complicated or difficult trying to explain to somebody, especially over the internet that you don't know what it is that you're looking for and if they can actually 
execute what it is that you that you want for your book or your comic book without having to spend a whole lot of money. All right, so I'm gonna explain this the easiest way I can because like it is a hard thing to pull off. Like I've been trying to collaborate with people on video game making, on filmmaking, everything. I've even you know worked with people in Vegas in person and stuff. So like it is what it is, but like it's hard to collaborate with people. It is. So like, yeah, finding somebody, like finding the right person is 90% luck, I would say. Cause like you could hire somebody and they could even be the perfect artist and maybe they don't work fast enough or maybe something happens in their life where they can't even continue the job. And then you have to find out, like there's just so many different variables you have to worry about, especially like I found a guy, like I said, who's in Italy, right? So I have no idea even like what his daily life is like at all. Like we just barely talk, like he hits me up. I, you know, I sent him all my ideas, my script, everything like that. He sent me the line work. If it looks good, it looks good. I tell him that. Sometimes I'll ask him to change a thing or two. He will. But it's like we don't really have like a very personal relationship, honestly. Maybe we will develop one as we keep developing the story, but it's only the first issue, whatever. But and then um, my, you know, like I said, I found Danielle on uh, Reddit. But Samuel, who's in Nigeria, I found him on Facebook. We were just on like a comic book group. He's like, I do do cover art. Um, you know, anybody need a cover? And he had like a really cool style, which, you know, you can see on the Kickstarter. But um, yeah, I liked his style a lot. I hit him up and he, you know, I don't know. He, I sh- I, luckily, I already had Danielle's like character concepts. So I gave him those to work with and boom, there was that. But like, yeah, I mean, it's like I always want to make movies, but I always knew you need at least 20 people probably to make a good movie. Like that's even watchable. Even if it's like five people cast, you need lighting guy, sound guy, editor, everything. You know what I mean? So it's like collaborations are a big part of any creative project. So originally I was just trying to write, you know, novels or whatever. And it's just like, that's not something that I don't think appeals to the people I am trying to get out to. So that's why I try to make more visual stuff. But yeah, so like comic book, I felt like, okay, um, you'd need a letter, a color, an inker, a cover guy, you know? So that's like four guys and yourself. So that's five at most. Luckily, Danielle does the coloring, the lettering and the art. So that's, he's, he's amazing. Like, I'm so lucky I found him. Yeah, so, yeah you lucked out with them. <laughs> yeah, luck is everything, I would say. <laughs> luck, well, first of all, preparation. You have to uh-huh. be ready to rock. You know what I mean? If you find the guy or the gal that needs to do the job or the, you know, they that needs to do the job, like, um, you know, that you have to have the, the, the material. You can't be like one of these people who comes online, like, hey, I want to make a comic book. Where do I start? Like, you got to already have the script. You got to have the the world prepared already. You know what I mean? Like I was already ready for that when I met him. So that's a big part of it, I think, too. Because a lot of aspiring writers don't write. I feel like it's the problem. So write what you got to write <laughs> and then call yourself a writer and then tell somebody you want their art, you know? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, what advice would you offer to other comic book writers or and or creators you wish someone told you when you first started? Oof, um, read, <laughs> read as many comic books as you can, you know what I mean? Because you're going to come to a point where you're writing a script and you're like, how do I even lay out this page? And if you read enough comic books, you'll know and you'll have ideas that are even beyond that. You'll be like, why never they use, why haven't they used my ideas? Manga and just not just comic books, anything, anything visual, really. You could even just use like a storyboard from a movie as, you know, paneling or whatever. So yeah, there's a million ways to look at it, but I would say read, read, read. And then I guess, you know, if visual artists, you know, put your eyes on everything. You know what I mean? Even if you don't like the story or something like that, look at it for what the artist is doing. Because sometimes the story isn't interesting to, you know, but the art is. Uh, that's even with what I got going on. I'm lucky I have artists that are so good that maybe if my writing sucks, they pick it up for me. I don't know. But Yeah, it helps that the art kind of like, okay, maybe the writing isn't that good, but I have it visually. So that kind of makes up for it. And I think in comic books, I think a lot of the times, I at least with me, I'm forgiving of 
uh, lesser writing or less detailed writing, maybe perhaps like there's a lot of times where, you know, they just kind of fly through a story and you're like, all right, it was good. But it was like, man, if it was a movie or something, there would have been a lot more character development almost like I feel like a lot of comic books kind of skip skimp on the character development which I'm going to try not to do but not all comic books just a lot of the ones I've read I guess but you know yeah so you say that you write screenplays and you're looking to um, create films so how has the writing process been like the difference between screenplays and writing for comics like how how different is the process Hmm, the process, I would say it's slightly different, but like the steps are pretty similar. Like when I write a, a film or a TV show or something like that, a pilot, I'm basically going to always write in paragraphs, like the whole idea out, you know, the whole plan of what's going to happen. And then I'll go to the actual screenplay or whatever. So I'll do the same thing with a comic book. I'll write out the whole process of that episode or issue. And then I'll actually like See, I got this idea watching American Splendor and Harvey Picar. So he basically just drew stick figure, terrible panels because he couldn't draw, you know. So I try to draw my own storyboards and stuff. And, you know, it's not exactly stick figure. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of stick figures. But um, so I try to do that. So and then I, you know, write the actual script like oh, panel one or page one with six panels. And I write exactly how I want it shaped and everything like that, which is a lot different than um, how you write a screenplay. Because usually you let the director decide that kind of stuff. So, you know, you don't write that into the screenplay, the actual visuals. So that's the biggest difference, I would say. But I don't mind describing it. And a lot of the times, you know, Danielle, he'll switch it a little bit. And, um, you know, it's not better or worse or whatever. It's just the way he sees it. And I'm not going to be arguing about it. You know what I mean? As long as I, you know, he gets across, like, he just sent me a page today where it's like, I wanted it to be like a guy walking out of a building up the street. And you see a guy down the street shoving a guy in a trunk, basically and uh you know he basically did it the other way around you see it basically the guy shoving the guy in the trunk and the guy walking out you say you're close to the guy in the, you know so you see more of what's happening than just the guy i don't know but i kind of wanted it to be more vague about what was going on in the background but it don't matter it's better for the story probably but um yeah so i don't know just stuff like that that comes with collaboration though so that's another part of it the process changes when you're collaborating too so yeah i guess the collaborators kind of bring in a different perspective so you're not stuck on your ideas it's not a bad idea what you had they Danielle just kind of flipped it to make it better or to enhance the page maybe you know oh yeah and that's the thing and it's like I know he's worked in comics longer than I have just by doing one whole project before this you know what I mean I don't even know how many other things he's done he's shown me a lot of you know pieces of other projects so I don't know exactly how many projects he's done because like I said we haven't really spoken like that but um he's got more experience than me. So I'm not going to really doubt him either. You know what I mean? I take his, his lead on a lot of things, but I'll even question it sometimes, whatever. But like, if I, like I said, if I have anything I want changed, he changes it. It's not like he argues with me or anything. We've never mm-hmm. had nothing like that, but yeah, there's a couple of times, like he didn't know the world as well as I do. So I was like, you know, certain characters wouldn't be in certain situations. So he had to like make it a different, like uh, we have Gorgons or whatever, like Medusa type characters with the snake hair and stuff. So I had him throw one of them in because there wasn't supposed to be an elf in a certain scene or something like that. So just things like that. But yeah, yeah like, you know, if he was around, like we were in the same like office working on stuff, I think it would be a little better. But the reality of it is his details are so good, even without like me in his ear all the time. I, you know, it's amazing. Like maybe he works better by being this far away from the person <laughs> that writes it, you know? So yeah, I just, I'm glad. Like I said, I'm just so lucky. <laughs> That's all I know. Well, has there ever been an instance, maybe not with Danielle, maybe with working some with someone else where you had to really defend, like explain and like defend your work or what it is that you wanted in the story and someone was kind of like fighting it, you had to explain it and defend it. Has that ever happened to you before? I, I asked that because I was talking about it the other day where um, 
I was giving someone advice about how, you know, your work is your work and you can put out there whatever you want. You just had to be ready to defend it. Yeah. And that's the thing. But also in this case that I'm thinking of, it's like, it wasn't exactly my work. It was more like um, someone brought me in to work with them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, I want you to help me write this thing. And so like, you know, there was this vague idea of what the thing would be. And um, I thought it was a boring idea. And I was like, we should really (laughs) take it a different way, you know? And it's like, and if, you know, how do you say that, you know, in a nice way or something like that, you know what I mean? And then, you know, how, how well do you know the person you're talking to? Have you cursed at this person as a joke before? You know what I mean? Like, like you don't want to, you know, because there's a lot of like personal levels of knowing somebody. Because when you start saying mean things to somebody, they got to like know your tone because, you know, you don't mean it to be mean, but you have to get the point across. Otherwise, you're wasting your time on a project that ain't what you want to work on. And that's, that's the worst. Like you said, you want to be able to defend what you're working on. So if you're writing something for somebody that you don't believe in, then how are you going to defend it? I don't know. So yeah, I couldn't put something like that in the public eye without having fought for it or whatever. So yeah, I agree with that. Like, I mean, but at the same time, if I had gotten paid for something and I didn't believe in it, that's what I would say. I'd be like, yo, it was a job. So let them defend it. I don't know. The guy who paid me can defend it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's not, it's not yours. You know, this is not your work. You just got paid for it. it was all, yeah. And you, you got know, paid to be a part of it. So and we, you know, if I hate money more than anybody, but you know, we all need it. So sometimes yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll sell out. You know what I mean? I know what I do though. That's the thing. Uh-huh. So. All right. Well, my last question for you, Jeff, is what is your idea of success? And I ask that because as creators, if we're not getting regular paychecks from a full-time job or making consistent revenue from our art, we're considered failures. Many of us will put our dreams and projects on the back burner or give them up altogether because this career can be highly intimidating or um, competitive. So what is your idea of quote unquote success? For me, it would be, yeah, just to be able to continually create what I want to create. Like for instance, like magic powder, like I have a lot of ideas and I want it to go at least 20 issues, something like that, which would take, you know, a few years, at least probably more like five or six years. I don't even know at the rate, you know, we're working now. So like, I don't know, that would be it. But like you said, like, does that mean I'm not working other jobs at the time? Like, am I successful with, if I am working other jobs? So like, yeah, as long as I can keep it going, no matter what, and I'm not, I'm not like unhappy with it or I'm not quitting or I'm not putting it on the back burner then that's successful so yeah if I have to go do side gigs and stuff like that I consider that a success but yeah I would I would prefer like yeah it's a huge hit you know everybody loves it blah blah blah. that's what's making my money but I, you know it's comics so you can't count on that ever and writing you also really can't count on that but if it happens like it happens big like you know so everyone has that hope but uh yeah I mean overall you know just hearing one person be like man this is a cool idea I really like it you know like when your friend's back your kickstarter then people you don't know back your kickstarter so again yeah, that, that's successful to me you know what i mean so i don't know uh yeah so i would say yeah just just being able to create something that you want to create is success like i was afraid of running out of time on this one you know what i mean with the world and the pandemic and everything and uh, you know was, everyone's kind of being forced back and everything like that and I, I was quarantined hard you know what I mean I eventually got my vaccine all that stuff but like so I, you know before I went back out into the world I wanted to have something done to show for it you know I was working on a video game and we still are but that didn't get finished and like this idea I had stuck in my head for over a year and I was like I got to get it out and I found mm-hmm. you know Danielle on reddit and stuff so right now I feel like you know just getting one issue done is I feel like a success in some ways you know what I mean like if I died I would still be happy that I got it out there. You know what I mean? So I don't know. It's like one of those things. So the success to me is just doing what you want to do. That's pretty much it.
Yeah, I mean, it, the thing is, the video game that you spoke about that um, you're, you're still working on, that I guess was the initial project that you wanted to have finished before you came out of uh, lockdown or quarantine, um, it may have been the best thing that it didn't work out because now you were able to work on this project and it's pretty much done. You just need the funding to be published for physical copies. So, right. you know, somebody might have been like, oh, I thought you were working on a video game and what happened to that? And in the back of their mind or in the back of your mind, you're thinking, they're thinking that you failed, but you did something else that actually ended up working out better for you in the long run. Yeah, exactly. Because I mean, that's kind of how it did feel like, you know, we had planned in our minds, we we're like, we're just gonna knock this out in six months, which is always an un unbelievable number for a video game. But you know, you know, we had done things before, where we we're like, okay, we could probably pull this off. But then like, um, you know, my friend I'm working on it with, he's the main programmer and everything like that. But he also has like a big job that started coming back a few months earlier than we had expected. So it slowed down everything. So yeah, I was starting to feel like, you know, I told everybody we were having something to do in the summer and it ain't here. So yeah, I felt kind of, like you said, like a failure almost. And then, um, you know, I had this idea. I'm like, yeah, we got to do it. And uh, yeah, that's it. It's out here. And like I said, I do feel better. Cause like, you know, if facility or whatever, which is the name of the video game that we're making, um, I'm excited when that comes out, but that was also, like I said, Chris's idea and stuff. So that'll be cool when it comes out. But this is like, this is so personal to me. Like, you know, every time someone says they like it, I'm like, even Chris himself, like has helped support me in the idea and stuff. Like uh, he did a little fan art coloring when I posted the first character designs and stuff. And it's funny to me, you know, and I was like, oh, you're not working on the video game, what are you doing, you know, like, you're just taking a break, you know, but it's cool, just like that, it inspired him to do that, I don't know, it's just, yeah, I'm excited, I'm very excited about this idea, like, even just, I haven't been on a podcast in years, I used to uh, do a few podcasts, but like, yeah, this is, this is cool, you know, I'm just that excited to talk about something, so thank you for having me on, too, like, it's just amazing. Yeah, well, uh, thank you again for joining us, so, uh, but uh, is there anything else that you wanted to push about Magic Powder Issue 1, maybe discuss rewards for potential backers? Yeah, I mean, um, so right now we have it set up to where, you know, you can get the digital copies and then physical copies. Then we have a tier where it's going to be, basically you're going to get a, a digital lore and art book, it's called, but it's going to be called the Fez Report. And it's going to be basically like a cop in the city of Fez talking about all the main characters of the issue, basically. So like giving their like street names and everything like that. That and sounds then, cool. Yeah, and then um, the highest tier before the comic book store tier it gets your name in the book, plus you get everything else, like the Fez thing and everything like that. So, if, you know, people want to have be a part of the thank you package or they just want to, you know, chip in a little bit more. They actually get their name in there and everything. But um, yeah, the main thing right now I'm trying to do is like, you know, if we reach the number one or the main goal, which we're at like 40 percent now, then we have uh, the stretch goals, which would be, you know, four thousand dollars and everybody gets the second issue free along with the first issue. Even if you just did the one dollar wallpaper thing, you'll still get the second issue, even if you don't get the first issue. That's how much the, the, the stretch goals will work. So, yeah, I'm just trying to get more issues funded, basically, so I can pay Danielle without worrying about it. So that's the thing, you know, what I mean, because he's so good, he could get a job in two seconds. So, you know, I don't want to lose him. So that's the main thing about the stretch goals. But other than that, yeah, I mean, if you like the idea, back it, tell your friends, whatever. You know, I feel like there's something for everybody in it. You know what I mean? Even if you don't like certain things, like, oh, I don't like comic books. Even my dad's like, oh, this might be the first comic book I've ever read. I'm like, yeah, you know, it, it might be a lot of people's, honestly, just because it's so different. I feel like I hope it is anyway. I don't know if it is. Maybe I'm just being a, a dummy and I don't know what else is out there, but I haven't really seen anything like it. And I'm pretty excited about that. Like, even, you know, just, just the fact that there's no humans, like, I didn't want anything to do with human beings. Like, get them out of here. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's kind of the thing that I don't like about D&D um, &D is that it has humans. I was like, we're in a fantasy world. I'm human. I don't want to play humans anymore. 
and that's a hundred percent how i looked at it. even saying the lord of the rings like just get him out of here like you have all this other cool stuff and then like the main character it's like a human or whatever and it's like not really i guess but bill you know frodo whatever he's not a human he's a hobbit but i'm thinking more of aragorn or whatever but yeah i don't know i just i'm sick of humans i'm, I'm sick of that. that's the big thing about the pandemic too is like i you know i'm so sick of how this is going and the whole way the world's taking care of each other it's like man i'm just sick of this whole world so i had to make my own you know what i mean yeah, exactly. no freaking humans none of this crap so yeah, I mean, you know, obviously some things are going to be inspired by what I've lived through or other people lived through stuff like that, but you know, it's just going to be fantasy enough so that people can escape from reality even if it's a little like, you know, dark or whatever. It's not fucking depressing, you know. It's going to be fun even if it's fucked up, you know. It doesn't think I don't want to glorify human violence anyway, but I'll glorify some orc and goblin violence, why not, you know. Yeah, they're not real. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they, you know, they they had it coming, I guess. They cuz they're doing it to each other, whatever. They you know, it's part of their code, whatever, who knows. But yeah, I just I can't. I'm just so bored with humanity right now. But my next project that I'm planning uh should take place on earth so we'll see if that ever happens so we'll look out for that i don't want to really go into it now but yeah so just like like i said uh if you like the idea tell everybody about it so we can keep it funded because that's what it's about not really making money but making it issues that's what's it so let's do it yep well all right again i wanted to thank the creator and writer of the comic book magic powder issue one currently on kickstarter jeff schiller I highly recommend our listeners to give the Kickstarter a look, share, and or back if they can. All Jeff's uh, socials and his website, jeffschiller.art, will be listed in the episode's details alongside the Kickstarter link. Again, I'm KS Garner, and you've been listening to the Solo Nerdberg Podcast. Thank you.